Welcome to Before You Go. I'm Nicole Franklin. And I'm Bryant Monte. And today, Nicole, we have another guest who comes from the suggestion of one of our listeners, actually a trusted colleague. Yes, our guest, <laughs> Isaac Turner Jr., is the grandfather of KBLA Talk 1580's Naja Roberts. Nice. You can hear Naja <laughs> weekday afternoons with her show, Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts. Thank you, Naja, for entrusting us with your precious grandfather for our show before you go. Hello, Yay. Mr. Turner. Yes. Welcome, everyone. Hello, Mr. Turner. Hello. <laughs> also joining us is Naja's mother, Julia Hardman. Welcome, Ms. Hardman. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Oh, she's also asked that we call her Julia. So yes. thank you, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Mr. Turner, I understand that you're from Louisiana. Yes. You want to know what city? Yes. What part of Louisiana are you from? Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport. Yeah. I used to, I used to live in New Orleans for quite a while. Mm -hmm. My uh, daughter is going to school at Xavier in New Orleans, Xavier University in New Orleans. That's nice. Yeah, she's almost done. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to ask you, before you came to the West Coast, you were in Louisiana, so what brought you to the West Coast? The service. And they got in World War II. I had five uncles. My mother had five brothers that moved to California mm -hmm. during the time I was in World War II. And when I got out of World War II, one of the uncles come to pick me up. And he picked me up and brought me back to California the last day of 1945. And I've been here ever since. Okay. Was there a reason California would have been better than Louisiana? What was life like back in Louisiana? Discrimination. One of the main things. And, it's really, and it really wasn't much better when I got to Los Angeles, California. It wasn't? You know, you know, when I applied for jobs uh, mm -hmm. uh, on the deck or whatever, trying to get a job the best I could get, I had one son who I kept every penny that I sent to her from the Navy. Plus, because she had nothing to spend, she lived with her mother, and she didn't have to pay rent, no, no food, no nothing. And she had every penny that, we, that I sent her. Wow. So you were married before you went into the Navy? Yes. And where did you serve, sir? I served in five invasions. I served first in Los Angeles, I mean, Hawaii. And then I was in mm -hmm. Marshall, the Marianos, Iwo Jima, and Okinawa during the main war on D-Day. On I mean, that's the day of the war. Oh, you were there? Yeah, we attacked. Five invasions. I would have been terrified if I were married to you. Five islands that I, you know. Yeah. And the minute my brothers got killed doing, you know, some of those places. Yeah, that was the worst day. What was your unit during that time? Well, what did I have to do? Yes, sir. I was in charge of the cooks. When I got my mother taught me how to cook whatever I needed mm -hmm. to cook when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And uh. And I got to be working with the cooks and washing the dishes. So Admiral Nimitz was head of the fifth and field fleet in the Pacific. And that's why I was working under him with John MacArthur and all of, all of the big, big, big time guys. That's who I was working for. And yeah, were, you, were you on a ship or you were landslide? Yeah, Admiral Nimitz was in charge of that fleet. You know, in the South Pacific. Yes, were you on a ship? I was on a ship. Okay. 
tell them what happened on this ship. Tell the stories you tell us all the time. Tell them. Yeah, when they when they come on the gunfire, we, we they they had us. I never went to guns, you know, going for training for guns and all of that. But I had to pass the ammunition to the gunners. The gun I was called like a gun was made when no classification. But I was that I was right there for that guy to help him, and we didn't have black. Right. But, uh, Tell them what happened to you, Dad. What happened to me? When I, they told everybody to hit the deck. Yeah, and when I come. I walk. You have to come down two spaces. You're you're in the dark when you when you cut your lights off to come out. Then when you open mm-hmm. the door, you go in the naked door. You're in the dark. You know you close the door. That room is dark. That's before the enemies can't spot you. You have to go hit the two dark spots and get on out. And the minute I oh. went outside, they were bombing and shooting. They were hollering for me to hit the deck, hit the deck, hit the deck, hit the deck. And I, I just froze. I looked at the plane oh. coming straight at me. And I just kept froze. I didn't know what happened. And then anyway, they hit him and he just waved right on over. And what about the people around you? There were five of my best friends got killed. Oh no! Oh no! So you survived, obviously. Survived, but and, uh, you froze. It was hard for me to hit, hit the deck. But you could. But I couldn't. I was so scared, and looking at him coming directly at me, and I and they said, "Hit the deck! Hit the deck! Hit the deck!" They were hollering, and I, I didn't. I just mm. I just froze. I froze standing up. I didn't fall like they did. They were laying out. You did. The enemy's got a better angle of getting you when you. Lay out rather than stand straight up and down. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so that was. I mean, they shot down a Japanese warplane, yeah. uh, fighter pilot. That was a Japanese warplane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, when I hear stories like this, you know, your best friend dies next to you. Literally, what is that next moment like? You see your friend, and in your case, five friends now killed, what do you do next? I, I just, and when everything cooled down and leveled off, I didn't know anything until the next day as far as okay. mm. who was killed, who, who lived and who what. You know, you were one that was injured in the legs, arms. I didn't get hurt at mm. all. And I just froze when I come out the door. They were, they were screaming for me to lay down. The enemy yeah. got a better shot if you're sta- you standing Was the ship destroyed at all in that attack? No, you, you mostly had a, you, you, you travel by night with all lights out and whatever. Oh. Yeah, and then when you get wherever you station, you be standing at just one station. Even I had no gun training or none of that. And as, in order to help the gunner smith, they'd have us to wait one and two hours on the guns just at, at a gun watch. Yeah. On the gun watch, you, you have what is a microphone there. And for him to talk to me, if I'm going to pass mm-hmm. him any information, the gunners made and all that. 
And the most of the time, the gunners made wasn't that when we were doing a gun watch. They would just, you know, you call on them if you need them. And tell them how no Negroes could could uh, be a gunner. Now, I didn't have any training how to use them. Mm. And you didn't have any training because, again, you were the head of the cooks. Yeah, that's right. I, I, you were there to serve food. <laughs> yeah, to serve food. That's what I was waiting for. Wait on the or to or to to cook the food rather you were there to cook the food other people served right and can you um, please Mr Turner say one more time who was over the ship I heard um, that Lee General Lee. Eisenhower was and um, in charge of the whole fleet Nimitz thirty five ships out there Nimitz was over the whole fleet okay Nimitz yeah I remember that name he's in charge that whole fleet. Matt Arthur, Eisenhower, and the, and the Black General, the Colonel General, I think, at that time. Black, I don't remember. Most generals and, and Eisenhower, big time generals and all that, they would meet on that ship. And I think that mm-hmm. it was USS El Dorado. I'm not sure. And when I first one I was on was the USS Pierce. It was like a transfer, transferring troops from one area to the next. And when, it, when I left, California, I, I headed for Hawaii. Mm. Five invasions, five different islands. What keeps you going? I mean, there was that fear, especially when you thought you were going to be a direct hit. But what keeps you going um, in that state of war? The mind of God. That's what, that's what kept me going. I just believe what's not going to happen to me. Mm. Mm. And nothing did because you, you were never uh, hit at any point. So how did you leave um, the the war? How how were you uh, told to go home? When the war ended, one of the generals come to me. I can't remember the name, and he admitted mm-hmm. when I leave the service, he was going to promote me, give me two two more promotions. I was already a, a petty officer, but then he he was going to make me a chief petty officer. It was about mm-hmm. if I was staying. I said, no, I don't want to stay in because I got a wife. I got a little boy. I had never seen him. He was born one week after I done left home. Wow. And, oh, wow. And it was two years when I saw him. He was walking and talking. And when I got hmm. home, I wanted to see him. He said, he's sleeping. I said, well, I don't want to uh-huh. wake him up. I waited until he get up. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I changed my clothes and took a walk and looked all around the house a little bit. Mm-hmm. Come back, he said, he's up now. And I got him. And, he got his clothes on. I took him for a walk. And oh. he kept saying, you know, I said, I'm your dad. He said, you're not my dad. He kept telling him, you're not my father. He was oh. approximately two years old. He said, you're not my dad. And I said, yes, I'm your father. I kept telling him, telling him I was his father. And then he said, wait a minute, come on. I'm going to show you who my dad He went back to his grandmother's home in the living room and pointed up at that picture of me being an officer in the Navy. He said, that's my daddy. I rushed and put that uniform back on. <laughs> put the, I put the uniform back on. And he hugged me. He was really sharp. And he oh. hugged me. And we hugged one another. And we went all out in the streets again, walking. The neighbors said it was so pitiful when I went out there. When I changed his load and when I was talking to him, he was saying, you know, you're not my daddy. He was looking at me. Look at this one in the uniform and the cap and all that. 
<laughs> this is a wonderful story. So it wasn't until your uniform was on that your son said, this yeah, is my dad, because you matched the picture. Oh, my goodness. And he gave me the biggest hug I ever had. Oh. He's 78 years old now. Oh. I will be 98 <laughs> in August. You'll be 98, 98 in August. In August. <laughs> and I'm still going with, you, with the union, UAW, and over 50 years. Oh, yes. Tell us, how did you join the union? So this was, you joined the union after moving to California? California. After I got to California, I had a job making 50 cents. I think it was 50 cents an hour. And so tell them all about it. That's what I found. It was where you you made pots and pans with the molars. And I was hauling sand with a wheelbarrow to get them so they could mold whatever pots and whatever the, the, the plan called for whether it was a skillet or uh, a rice pot or a bean pot or heavy green mm-hmm. or whatever, it, all, pot, all types of pots. And that was in Culver City, California. And I did mm-hmm. that until a friend of mine came by and said, well, aircraft is, is hiring people. He said, aircraft is hiring, why don't you try that? I had to got, I done got a little promotion with, with this job in Culver City, California. I got mm-hmm. hired it. Uh, start driving trucks. And he told me, see, do you know the city? And I lied to him. I said, I know this city upside down. Time he told me, see, <laughs> we'll try you out. And I went and bought me a map for the city. <laughs> and then I left truck driving. And that's when I went into to aerospace to UAW. After I was driving, went by, I noticed they were lying. And I got vacation, sick leave, medical plan, and all of that from that. And when I went there, my wife, she actually cried. She said, you taking a job for a little less money, maybe 10 cents or 15 cents mm-hmm. less. And mm-hmm. she cried because I quit that job to go into aerospace. And then oh. why did you want the aerospace? I wanted it because I had better benefits in insurance and so Yeah, uh, health benefits are important. He, so, when he... Went into the mm-hmm. aerospace, he had the benefits he did not have. No insurance. He got all. Oh, wow. No vacation. No, no he vacation. He had no vacation. His other job, he was working for that company Making he was talking about. Pots, and yeah. to deliver the products, they just let him drive a few times. He wasn't a, okay. a trucker. Okay. Because you and mom were married. Yeah. Sure. Um, tell them how many years yeah. you and mom were married. Yeah. 71 years. 71 years of marriage. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. Now, um, how many children do you have, Mr. Turner? Four. A boy and a girl and a boy and a girl. Two boys, two girls. The boy. Nice and even. Nice and even. And a girl. Yeah. You have to figure those things out when you get. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, terrific. So you ended up working in the aerospace um, industry. Yes, yes. I, I worked for him for over 40 years. And then he, mm-hmm. he joined the union about mm-hmm. 20 years in. Yeah, and then they were just sending me everywhere, putting me on the women's rights for UAW to help them if they needed to be promoted and whatever. This is really interesting. So you're in the aerospace industry, the UAW is a powerful union, but they ask you to be over women's rights, right. not a woman. That's right. <laughs> Why did you think that was? Well, I guess uh, from the way I, you know, wasn't afraid to whatever job they asked me to do, I would either go to school mm-hmm. for it, 
like Blueprint. I went to Blueprint School. I went to whatever I had to do, the machinist and the computer. I went to computer school and all those mm-hmm. different things. So when those jobs opened up, and, and they paid for your schooling. Whatever, oh, good. Whatever classes I was taking up, that company paid for that. So his title was not really over women's rights. He was he had an office and he mm-hmm. was over the rights of the employees. But it just oh. so happened that there were many women that he helped that no one else had helped. Okay. Promotion. So it wasn't a title. I of made women's sure they rights. got the same pay that the man got if she were right. Oh, terrific. It was called a wage wage coordinator. That's what I have my classification. A true feminist. I love it. <laughs> For the UAW. United Aerospace Workers. Aerospace Workers. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's exceptional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, It's funny because uh, my uh, great aunt lived in uh, Los Angeles and she worked in aerospace. Mm-hmm. Helping, I guess they used to build the planes out there for a while. Well, they, they did. Them, yes, but they built bombers as a lock. Mm-hmm. They five or six big companies. Lockheed, uh, mm-hmm. Owens, North American Aviation. Rockwell International had a, several several plants out there. So if I got laid off at one plant with my classification, I could just go mm-hmm. right on over to another plant and say, hey, I'm on so-and-so and so, and I'm looking for a job. Be- before he went into the union work, he actually worked on the assembly lines for about 30 years. So tell wow. me what you did with the space shuttle. Yeah. The, uh, Oh. The booster that boosts the space into space, I build that. And then what they would do, oh. they, when it's flying, <laughs> when it got out of space, they'd drop it and it'd fall into yeah. the ocean and they're going on into space. And they done broke that up now. They, you don't have to do that now. They, they keep on in with the same engine. But at Exposition Park in Los Angeles, uh, near the Dodge, hmm. they, uh, they got displayed that engine that I was building. The booster for Boost, the, the, the spaceship. They don't have to use that now. They go right on in with the spaceship. Yeah. They no. That booster that put them into space, mm-hmm. yes. they, would, they would drive it off at sea, out of the sea. And when they drive it off at sea, the helicopters would pick it up. They'd pick it up and bring it back to the shop where I was. And I'd rebuild it for the next takeoff. Oh, so these oh, were recycled wow. boosters. Yes. I always wondered. Yeah, <laughs> it's come back to me. Whatever need to be fixed on that thing. That is fantastic. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I, I wow. Even, I even signed up to go to space, but they never did get up to my name on that. <laughs> Some people would be too scared. How, how do you think your military experience helped you throughout your life? Uh, do you want him to tell you some of the war stories? Yeah. Oh, if there are more stories, yeah. do you sure tell them how the black how the black men were the ones pushing the bodies off the ship and and they would send the empty coffins to the United States? Yeah. Do you well, want to tell them no, you have to talk loud? No, I don't think I want to. I don't want to discuss. Okay. 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 That's you know when mm-hmm. going you know, you're thinking you're getting your your husband or your daughter or somebody, they couldn't do that. How are they going to send that body back and it fell in the ocean? You know what I'm just saying? That's some people oh. thought they had the body, but it wasn't, 
I don't know of no opening ceremony they had when they sent anybody back. They weren't allowed to open it. I see. So the ceremonies to honor dead soldiers in front of families had empty coffins. Because they had the black men to take all the bodies and throw them off the ships. And he that was one of his jobs. Wow. That that might be top secret info. Yeah. 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 So it could be. Oh, my goodness. Because I guess they couldn't uh, take them back. Aboard the uh, on land, I guess, from off the ship, right? Right. That's what he's. They couldn't take the bodies off the ship, right, onto land or put them on a helicopter. One, if you if you at a base where you're training and all of that, I'm talking about any ship that was out at sea that sunk or whatever, and they had the bodies. Yeah. It's it's almost impossible for them during the war to send them bodies back. Yeah. They may be interested in what happened when you yeah. uh, first came to California and brought your family, how you stayed in a uh, area called Roger Young Village. Do you want to tell them about that? Yeah, I can tell them that. Okay. I think that's nice. Old man Griffith, yes. uh, great, great grandfather, we used it for. He, he took the recreation park and turned it in for veterans and made Quonson huts for veterans mm-hmm. and charged them $50 a month. No utility. There were about 800. Uh, yeah. They they were looked like huts, but they were made of oh. aluminum. They were huts. They would call her Quonson huts. Yeah, yeah Quonson huts. Okay. He got it. Yeah. And where they, were, they, so. they, they build them, and that's why I was fortunate enough that a guy come to me and said, why don't you, and actually, I felt they were building them just for white. Here. Because mm-hmm. California was, to me, was just about as bad as in Louisiana. With discrimination. In mm-hmm. one of the main streets in Los Angeles. And my cousin of mine, he had been drinking and I, I would drink. But whenever we go mm-hmm. out together, we change that. We, if, if, if I'm the driver, I didn't drink. We go to different shows and all that. And then right. this time I did the drinking and he was driving. They, they rolled him all up way up on the sidewalk right here in Los Angeles. And people were passing there. He had, a, he had a, practically a new car about two years old automobile. And he, he drove right, he had to pull over, they cut right in front of it to keep from hitting them. And they got out and did all kind of talking. And so and I just stood, I said, hey, I'm just come out of the service. I'm well dressed with a tie, necktie, and everything, mm-hmm. very intelligent looking. And so he said, where are you from? I told him where we had been. And all of this, I said, we haven't did nothing wrong. Where you? Where did you live before you come to California? I said, Louisiana. He said, you mm-hmm. niggas didn't go out and stay this time of night in Louisiana. And blah, blah, blah. I didn't pay that no money. I said, that's when mm-hmm. I come to California. And man said, leave him alone. His buddies kept telling him, don't bother nobody. I said, I just got out of the service. I was in mm-hmm. five invasions. I didn't get killed then. I don't believe I'm going to die tonight. Oh. Fortunate enough not to still be here today. Because my Thank uncles, God. My uncles and my friends that was here said, you're just the same as you in, in Louisiana. You just have to watch yourself. You have to be careful. Yeah. You can't do that. It's a wonder you didn't come up dead. They could have shot you and nothing would have happened. Oh. Right, right here in California. My father died at, at an early age after. Mm-hmm. My, my mother was about a month or two months 
away from the poor child. And uh, and I, I went and didn't have that much trouble because she married mm -hmm. another guy and he, he was better than really than the whole lot of fathers could be. And Good. he the one that braving me to just don't be afraid. And he was raised by whites. His stepfather. stepfather. Oh, oh. Stepfather. Yeah, your stepfather stepped in. Uh -huh. he was out of trouble. Whatever he wanted, he told me what to do, how to act. And but don't take nothing. If you didn't know you didn't do it, make it home to dad. And I was taking oh. care of him. That would give me all of my strength. And I would, I kept that in mind all of my time as a service man. And wherever I ever went, I tried to let, let them know if I know if I know and know I'm right. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to get along with me doing them cases, and I know that. And it didn't make me no different who they were, whether he was an admin or a general or whoever you were. You supposed to go here, you go. And I said, no, I don't have to do that. You know, you can fire me or you can do whatever you want to, but I don't have to take that. I'll mm -hmm. stay mm -hmm. Thank God for those lessons. Yeah. So that stepfather really, he the one that really schooled me and told me, I had to care of myself. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. To make it, to bring my own family up and have my own home and have your own money and whatever you want to do, to do it. Oh. And thinking of that, what would you always teach your kids as they were growing up, living in California? What would you always teach your kids uh, about these same things that you learned when you were young? Treat others like you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number one. Treat your friends mm -hmm. and all of them just like you want to be treated. They don't want to do that and thank you over them and whatever. Ignore it and just pass it on by. You just don't deal with that type. That's, that's the only way you can make it in life, wherever it is. Like I said, after California, I could have I could have been blown away after the guy pulled, pulled my cousin and, and I over to the mm -hmm. crew. Nothing would have been Yes, indeed. Because California at that time was just... Almost as bad as living in the South. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't didn't yeah. get the respect you should get. Dad always talked about he wanted to write a book about the South when he was a teenager, a child and a teenager. And he would call mm -hmm. the book, You're No Better Than a Dog or a Cat. Do you remember that? Dad? I remember that. He would talk about how he wanted to write a book because he felt that Black people in the South were no better than dogs or cats. Wow. And nowadays, and I told him, I said, nowadays, dogs are treated better than people. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> so I told him that won't, people won't understand nowadays, but that was back in the 60s and 70s. He used to say, I'm going to write a book about black people are no better than dogs and cats. Do you remember something happening like when you were a teenager in Louisiana that was discrimination focused? Oh, yeah. We are working at a swimming pool, cleaning the pool and all that. Mm. The YMCA. The YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. Mm -hmm. That was the name of it. Mm -hmm. Blacks couldn't go there. I watched okay. them clean the pools in there when it's all pool. You know, I had to know how to swim. And we went swimming, <laughs> dived off the boat. Did you all went we for a swim. One that would happen But they, they weren't allowed to yeah. swim. To the swim. black people had to wait until the last day before the pool was clean. And they, they went up, they didn't swim in. They went they went in there swim, they were in there to clean it. They cleaned it up and put more fresh water and all that in it. But you, you got to swim if you're gonna get out there. 
You know what I'm saying? They didn't kick about that because you were cleaning it and you don't get in there once you clean it. For them, when they get it pooped over you to a day or two, then we drain all the water out and we get in there and clean it again. You know, you had mm-hmm. uh, students and then you all had people that had to pay to come in and swim in our dust. Yeah, because he used to tell me that the black people weren't allowed until the last day, and that's they cleaned before they cleaned black people before the cleaning. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mr. Turner, I'm wondering if let's go to L.A. now to Los Angeles. It's just as discriminatory as Louisiana, but through your years, your upcoming 98 years. Did you ever see any change in racism, especially in Los Angeles? Or is it the same to you? No, not the same. You know, I mean, not just me complaining, but many, many through the unions. They probably mm-hmm. make sure that you, if you perform the job, you can get the job. Mm. Then they send someone out like me to take a record or see how much what they're doing and what the next person is doing. They're doing the same thing, get the same pay. So to you, you're, you're judging uh, the amount of discrimination at the workplace. If, if you're both hired at the same time, and other ones get promoted and all that, and they're doing the same job, maybe you're doing the right side of the ship and the other person is doing the left side. You should mm-hmm. get as much as the one that's doing the right side if you're doing the same thing. It's the same. It's just a right and a left. It's a right door and a left door. Like um, behind on jobs, like shipping, you know, it's on the dock. All them big companies, seals, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they had big docks where the stuff be coming in and going out. And it was very hard for blacks to get a job there. So I was trained and brought up to say, hey, the place over at 7 o'clock, I'd be there at 6.30. Or six to try to get the job. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. in line. And they told no mm-hmm. hired somebody. And they haven't been hired. I'm the only one standing there that early. Mm-hmm. And they said we yeah. hired somebody already. So so Mr. Turner, when it comes to what really fueled you uh and what really gave you the um how would you say the tenacity to withstand so much opposition living in California, working, being in the union, trying to help other people make sure they're not taken advantage of. What was it that really drove you to uh, do all the things that you did? Well, by being in the service first, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know where I had to come from, from the bottom to go to the top. Mm-hmm. You got to keep doing it and show it to them. Like I said, I, I helped build the booster, that booster spaceship. Yeah, in 746. Mm -hmm. I went to Blueprint School. I went to go to see just how it's supposed to be put together. Mm -hmm. Check the bottom, check that. When the inspectors come to inspect it, I had some guy that inspect work that I would have been working. He said, I know we we don't never have no problem with you. We don't have time, (laughs) but we know you was okay. Boom, and stamp it. And that that, just let it ship on through. But I want them to stay a while and I would take a close look because I finished the job somebody else was doing. Okay, so why did you work so hard? That's what he wants to do. Because of the family. Yeah, of course. Family man. Now, when you said, what kind of school? Blueprint. Blueprint. 
Blueprint. Blueprint. Blueprint is that if you're going to build an automobile, you have to have Blueprint school. You go by where yeah. you have to put it. Transmission go, it'll show you just where that go. That's where the blueprint is for. Windshields right. or the door glasses, they'll tell you whether this is a right door or a left door and all of that. Yeah. That's tell a print. You worked on those 747 airplanes. That's yeah. where you had the prints for that, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, but wow. The V1 bombers and all that. Worked on all of that. Mm -hmm. They give you a blueprint. All this was in Los Angeles. They give you a blueprint. Wow. And then you have to go to blueprint school to go in order to know how to read the blueprint. Yes. And the smart way of doing it, when you once you working on that, sometimes they make changes on a blueprint and then forget to tell you that they made the changes. And then you don't want to build it to what you used to build it and they don't want that. So mm -hmm. I would find out had there been any changes on the prints. That's kind of stuff. Before I was that's when I was so successful to keep going. Well, you know, the jobs I had, I held, and the people that I was trying to help get positions that I, I hold today. As I'm saying, I'm still here now uh, as, as a union representative, and that's way back. These young guys that's 14, 15, 60, 70 years old, they've been retired. Wow. Every month I go to a meeting. But those, those huts, back mm -hmm. to when he left the service and he lived in Roger Young Village, that gave them an opportunity to save money. There were about 800 huts in that area. That's where today in Los Angeles is called Griffith Park. And it's a huge park in Los Angeles. But at the back when dad left the service, that area was used for the servicemen, the vets. And those huts were there. Uh, and that helped him to be able to save money. And he went from a hut to a nice, three-bedroom home on the west side of Los Angeles. That's fantastic. I hadn't heard that history before about Griffith Park. Mm -hmm. yeah. They were. So the Griffith Park, the man named Griffith, is the one that provided those veterans. His grandfather. It, it was called, there's, it's in the history books. It's called Roger Young Village. It was in the area where the zoo is now. This is, I, I want to look these huts up. I mean, how yeah. how big were they in size and how many bedrooms? It literally, was it just one room? It's just like a, a shack. And, and you go in there, because we had Quonson Huts in boot camp, and you can maybe have 14, 15, 20 guys, just depends on the size of it. That's right. It's just open space. It's like living in a garage. I thought his family lived there, though. But, Dad, didn't you have a bedroom? They took the hut and put it divide. He's saying it right. It's just an open just yes, a right. wide open hut. You go out of one front door to the back. This didn't happen. Back, right. It, it, they, split them, they split them in half. So you had family living very long on the Oh, family. Okay. In the back. He's saying it right. Did you have a bedroom? Yeah, I had a bedroom. One bedroom or two beds? One bedroom in that. I mean, <laughs> in mine, was two living room and then one bedroom. That's what I had. Oh, they oh, split it and, in half. Okay, I see. Yeah, and a right. bathroom, I hope. They split it. They, <laughs> right. they didn't give you the whole quantum hut that you had. 10 children to get in there. I don't know how they did that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Just curious, what, what neighborhood are you in? What neighborhood? In Altadena, in? right? Altadena. We're near the pass. We're in, uh, Altadena is next door to Pasadena. It's right at the foot of the hills. It's so okay. breezy there and nice. I love Altadena. We live in the mountains, and where we live here, they were, they were had, a, had a, all that book work and everything that no minorities could 
inspire or have a home here. I'm the first one ever lived in this house. It was just happened to be a big shot that come in, build a house, hadn't completed it. He decided, I don't think I want to live up here. And I happened to go mind looking at it. Gee, I like this better than I do downtown Los Angeles. Oh, for mm -hmm. sure. For sure. It's gorgeous out there. And I looked into it. This when... is 1961 we're talking about. In 1961, mm -hmm. we it... rolled around to come and see the house. We were a teenager. I was a teenager at that time. And we would go to open houses and uh, they would tell us the house was sold and move the sign in Altadena and Pasadena. And they would say, mm. oh, this house has just been sold and they moved the sign and we mm. ride somewhere else. And then if we came back by that area 30 minutes later, the sign was back out there. Look at that. But this house, mom and dad, mom was a real estate broker. Mm. And then we also had a, uh, they also had a friend that was a real estate broker and he was showing a house in another, uh, a few blocks away. And that's how they happened to see this house. But what there, it was on that day that we came to see it. What he's saying is that we found out later that this community had sent out notices and said, please don't sell your house to any, any black people. And we were called Negroes wow. at that time. It was Negroes. Don't send your, yeah. sell your house to any Negroes. Yeah. Wow. So is that what you wanted to tell That's me? That's it. Okay. <laughs> what advice would you give for people to make it to your age? What should people be doing health-wise or education-wise? Treat others as you want to be treated. Yeah. I, and I, I think you can make it. I have to answer this so he could talk about that. She have, never got a book. Captain Nadez, stop. Uh, <laughs> it's never too late. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the answer to that is have a good wife. Tell them how she made sure you ate right, how everything was done before you left to go to work here. Oh, sure. She, she, so that's what they want washed, to hear. She washed and iron and she, she treated me raw. Oh. I could have been treated by three or four women and from what she had did for me. <laughs> Do you remember how you all met? How did you and mom meet? We met because we was in that town. It was, you know, Shreveport. We had, in Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport, Louisiana. And my best friend, my wife, I didn't know that, we went to the same school, high school. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't integrated, it wasn't mixed. The high school was called Central Colored High School. And then mm -hmm. it was Shreveport White School. But anyway, uh, mm -hmm. what made it so great, my wife come out to meet through her friend and meet my best friend who living in the neighborhood where I was. And I met the mm -hmm. girl first before he got off the <laughs> And she became my girlfriend. Uh. <laughs> so was it love at first sight? Was it love, love at first sight? sight? Because it was? I, I love it. First time. Oh. Mm. <laughs> now, do you listen to Naja's show, your granddaughter Naja's show? Yeah. Beautiful. And oh. very smart. Mm -hmm. She is. She's very smart. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes, she, yeah, she, she's all right. And, you know, I always like to ask, what advice do you give the young people? I told my impression my kids. You know, I didn't have no club or nothing well with them. Boy Scouts and them things. I had my kids in the 
Boy Scouts. And when my children, I tried to get everything that was necessary for the kid to have at best for the shoes, or the volleyball, whatever they had to play in, and these gloves. I bought the gloves for them. I made sure that there's going to be there. I attended whatever they were participating in, swimming classes and all that, whatever they, they wanted to get into, I, I made sure that I would help out to do that. Yeah. And what would you tell them? What would you say to them when they join these types of groups and sports? And I mean, what, what would help them be successful? Whatever their hard desire money I buy, I get it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Whatever, okay. whatever it takes for you to get what you're trying to get, you let Daddy know. Okay. Aww. Naja, I hope we did you proud. It was such <laughs> a joy borrowing your grandfather for an hour. Wasn't it though? <laughs> yes. And for more stories like these, you can always visit our website at beforeyougo.tv. That's beforeyougo.tv. And thank you all for listening to ours as well as Naja's show here on KBLA Talk 1580. Be sure to download our Before You Go podcast from the KBLA 1580 app. And as we say, before we go, we want to remind everyone that these stories are what make a show like ours possible. So make sure you take the time to reach out to those who have paved the way for all of us. There's no time like the present. What a what gift. A gift.